jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of darkness! Not a lot has been happening in the no. last week. It's been uneventful. Uneventful, nothing of note. Um, just the same old sitting, staring at the wall, waiting for anything to happen, really. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's so great that 2021, I know that, you know, yes, we're still in plague times, but 2021 feels like such a, f- a fresh start, you know? It's just, uh, it's been great so far in the three months of 2021. <laughs> three consecutive unending months <laughs> yeah. that have unfolded in just the last, how many days? 500? It hasn't even been two weeks yet. It's been a little over a week, and it feels like it's been a little over a lifetime already. Yeah, yeah it's already January 300th. That's exciting. <laughs> so, I don't know. Uh, Civil War averted for today. <laughs> I um, like that it's been a, at least a few days since that um, insurrection coup thing that happened. Yeah, right now I think we're in between because we have the 20th, the inauguration coming up. Yes, yes. They've said they're going to do it again on like the 17th or something. Oh, okay. I like that they plan ahead and do give a schedule. It, well, they just write it all out on their parlay or whatever the fuck it's called. So they just use it to plot their insurrections and, you know, the murders and things. Um <laughs> Attempted kidnappings of governors. Yeah, you know, all that good stuff. So, I mean, uh, we'll see where we are when this episode comes out. (laughs) And we'll see which social media platform decided to instate some form of consequence or punishment for for fascism. Yeah, you know, for attempting to overthrow the government and execute the vice president. We'll see if there's any repercussions or if everybody just gets like... Do we all have a coupon for one free coup? <laughs> a coup? A coupon! Yes. Oh. Yes. It's nice so. to know that you can do all of this and not face any repercussions whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who knew? That's what I find to be the most liberating. Yeah. Here I was. Oh no, my library books are going to be overdue if I don't take them back today. <laughs> you know Ah, well it's exciting what's most exciting perhaps is that i realized that i had obviously been feeling a little more relaxed maybe um in the days since the election was settled for everybody except for the cuckoos yes yeah um and it was nice to know that I had been healing because this just kind of brought all of the anxiety and tension back to the surface. <laughs> just shattered that. <laughs> it shattered that calm that I experienced for like 
10 days or whatever it was. Yeah, right? Yeah, I, that not that the wildest thing? That it feels like months ago that we were on here celebrating the election result. Yeah. Which, that was only November. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like it's been a lifetime since then. Yeah. And yet, it, 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 we're st- people are still debating whether that even happened or not. Yeah, Joe Biden has won the election 63 times since then. He has won the same election more than any president <laughs> in history. Yeah. So I knew that, like, I mean, we knew that the time between the election and January was going to be hell. Yes. I mean, there are those of us who knew years ago that he would not go quietly unto the good night. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I expected, you know, last week's events, Per se. Oh, well, the old anxiety came rolling back, so that's always nice. It's also nice to feel like it's never going to be over. I just, I guess I'm so disappointed with, um, on the one hand, I'm grateful for the peaceful protests, and I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for the angry protests and the and the riots on the behalf of people standing up for Black Lives mm-hmm. um, that we've seen this year. There is a part of me, though, that's like, you guys, why didn't we Resident Evil the White House? Why didn't we storm the fucking Capitol? Right. But, like, for the right reason. I just, I don't know how we go forward, necessarily. It's, like, all of this, it's not good, but it is a sign that things are changing, and that's why they are clinging to their last desperate shreds of, like, white power, you know? (laughs) It's like, oh, because now, yeah, white, uh, you know, whiteness, I don't know, masculinity, like whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, it feels like death rattle, right? It's a a death rattle because, you know, I don't know, a black woman directed the new Candyman. (laughs) But sad is that's why this is happening. That's why this is happening. Gay people can get married. Black people are like, hey, what if you stopped killing us for a minute? Wet ass pussy came out. What else? We have wet ass pussy. <laughs> oh my, and therefore, everyone must die. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's so, so ridiculous, upsetting. but that's like what it is, you know? It's so upsetting. But you know what? I've never been more ready for my vaccine to go back into public with my fellow Americans. Oh, yeah. Let me get into the middle of a big crowd. <laughs> that's exactly what I want right now. Can't wait. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we'll see many things. (laughs) It's going to be, this next week is going to be so long. It's going to be so long. I, I, uh, impeachment would be nice. Maybe that's happened by the time this is being listened to. Or maybe nothing continues to be done just as it has the last four years. Yeah. They have to, I mean, they have to impeach. It will just, like, even if it's only in a way symbolic, it's like he will lose so much with a second impeachment. Man, taking away his pension, taking away like the the Secret Service, taking away the the million dollar year long yearly travel stipend, it's ensuring that he can't run again. Because if they don't oh. do it, you know that what he's on the twentieth, he's going to be holding a rally for re-election in twenty twenty four. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. And he'll be yeah. he'll be serious XM or Joe Rogan adjacent. Yeah. He's yeah. just gonna be he's gonna be a Stacy. He's gonna become something much worse than what he is now. He's gonna become a podcaster. Oh Jesus! 
and he's gonna have his podcast army and that's gonna be the civil war is a podcaster with an army of people in motorhomes well i hope he doesn't start podcasting about horror movies and we have to link to him <laughs> we have to like and subscribe and share <laughs> We don't have to retweet him. Our sister show, Make Horror Great Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't listen to queer feminist horror podcasts for the politics. No. Uh, what do I listen for? Yeah. Do you listen? But there's, there's no other, <laughs> no, but there's no other upfront business because, you know, I've just been staring into the abyss. Yeah. And I winked. Oh, you winked. Yeah, the abyss stared back. So I don't know. We might have a little something, something. <laughs> well, everybody, 2021's off to a great start. Stacy is courting the abyss. I'm courting the abyss. Might mm-hmm. as well. But today we're talking about a movie that brings good feelings for me. It sparks joy. It absolutely yes. sparks joy from an an epic time in horror. Oh. Uh, 1983, Psycho 2. Oh. What? So many words that just sing to my soul. What a great movie this is. If you have not seen Psycho 2 somehow in your journey as a horror fan, if you have not seen Psycho 2, I say to thee, turn this off. Go watch Psycho 2 and then come back. I agree. I agree. And I actually really appreciate seeing listeners posting about all the movies they haven't yet watched. Yes. Because they are are, are episodes of ours that they still have stopped because they need to watch the movies. Um, I love seeing that. And thank you for taking our advice. I I would also say add Psycho 2 to that list. Yes. Um, Because this movie takes... A litany of twists and turns. Some of them make sense, and it's joyful watching them unfold. It is. The first time you see this movie, it's got some shocks in store for you. I actually forgot. I've seen this movie several times, and somehow, it was probably the weed, I continued to forget what was actually going on. (laughs) (laughs) So even I said, ooh, joy, I forgot. How fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, 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 great movie. You would not expect a sequel to Psycho to be any anything worthwhile. <laughs> I remember, I think I remember being um, a young, a burgeoning horror explorer, if you will. And horror the Explorer. Re- horror the Explorer. I said, can you say... <laughs> <laughs> Cut my hair into a bowl shape. <laughs> So I was her. <laughs> and uh, and I remember seeing like Psycho 2 and I thought, what they made it? Like I didn't know that it existed. And it's like Psycho 2, that's just that's just gonna be trash. And that seems to be, you know, that's what your gut instinct would tell you. Sure. This Psycho, if you haven't heard of it, is only one of the most acclaimed and influential horror films of all time. It's good shit. So waiting what third twenty twenty it was only twenty three years yeah right? mm-hmm. twenty um which actually isn't I guess we're doing that nowadays making sequels to movies from twenty years ago if not even further back but it just that was a bold move yeah 
And that bold move paid off. It really did. Well, they didn't go. It's shocking the direction this movie goes in, right? Because it's 1983, primetime slasher movie era. Um, and some of the violence that is in it is clearly influenced by the era in which it came out. But you look at something like Halloween H4O, which is just more of the same in a pale retread. Yes. And it yes. sucks buttholes. Yes. And then you have Psycho 2, which is its own thing, continues the story, expands the characters, and is not at all what the era indicates it would be. You would think, oh, wow, a bunch of ding-dongs are going to break into the Bates house and they're all going to get killed or something. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, there's some of that to an extent. Sure. Yeah. But it's, it, 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 that's what's so nice is seeing... I just, you know, 1983, I've said this so many times on the show, 1983 is my, like, era, year of gorgeous, glory, gorgeous, gory horror, like, slashers, just in general. I love that year. I love these movies from this year. Psycho 2 is so funny that it, 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 it feels sort semi-prestige while also being somehow, like, kind of a B-movie. Mm-hmm. While also being a slasher, while also being a, an actual a genuine follow up to a Hitchcock's masterpiece, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. so weird. It's so weird. Well, the moments of violence in this movie are just are you're gonna go, you're gonna scream at I them win. because they're Ugh. fucking shocking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gross. which is unexpected because you know Psycho famously doesn't didn't show like the knife penetrating janet lee's skin or anything like that it was you know cut all around it it's very tame and then psycho 2 is like you know what bitch it's 1983 yeah but that's what's fascinating is in the in the original psycho oh there's many things fascinating but in the in psycho it was all through power of suggestion of like we're seeing a knife coming at this person and you're gonna feel it just by the way it's cut how the how the film is cut um, or, or through just t- cinematic ingenuity where you get like, um, well, this is Arbogast. I love that name uh, the detective mm-hmm. and he gets stabbed by Norman and then he falls down the stair and you see that, that camera following him as he goes down the stairs and it's the weirdest effect ever. Yeah. Um, but the weirdness of how he shot it is what makes you feel all those killings in the first movie, like or the, right. the two that happen. In um in this it it is the there's that the shock surprise quality but it's also just the visceralness of the core and how gross it gets yeah and sometimes it's it's sometimes it's light and just suggested or vaguely off camera and other times you are right there feeling it as you watch it happen yeah um I mean one of the most shocking shots in the first film in the original psycho was the toilet flushing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that was the first time a flushed toilet had ever been shown i know i clutched my pearls in In a film oh my god i passed out yeah yeah when i saw it It was just like Um, when i saw the train coming at the camera a couple years before (laughs) that and I, i had to jump out of the way I was like, yes, this movie is called Psycho, but I was not expecting to see a toilet get flushed. <laughs> I left, I passed out, and when I woke up, I left the theater. <laughs> I mean, I said, yes, he murdered that woman while dressed up as his mother, but did you see that <laughs> disgusting <laughs> shot of that toilet? <laughs> yeah. So it's a little while later. The film picks up. 
you know, it's been 22 years since Norman was put away yeah. for all the murders. And now he has been deemed restored to sanity. <laughs> they just said, it's fine. We ran out of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're fine. You, uh, We got you a job at the local diner. Go back home. Everything will be super swell. Which I always thought seemed curious that they would just let Norman Bates back out. But as this year has shown us... This is all too real. Yeah, it's like, just open the door, let him go. It's very realistic. It's fine. So Norman is back home, uh, has the job at the diner. He meets Mary Samuels, played by one babe Hall of Famer, right? Like, we can say that. She's a top ten Hall of Fame babe. Oh, absolutely. And on this show? Yeah. My God, absolutely. Good Lord. Tilly. I passed out last night watching this again. Let me tell you. It may perhaps the all-time Chinese-American-Canadian babe queen of the 80s. <laughs> you say to yourself, good lord. Uh, she is Mary Samuels. She works at the diner. They strike up a friendship. She ends up staying with Norman. But is Norman's mother back? Is Norman going crazy again? Once uh, cinematographer Dean Cundy, the great Dean Cundy, Mm-hmm all of John Carpenter's movies. Once he busts out the Dutch angles, as he does, you say to yourself, uh-oh. Someone's going cuckoo. Is it Norman? Maybe. But also, no. <laughs> because <laughs> Lila is back. Vera fucking Miles. Oh, the Marrying- cast. The cast of this movie is unbelievable. Uh, Lila, formerly Lila Crane, now Lila Loomis, oh, is back. Oh, shit. And she is angry that Norman is out. He killed all these people. You can't just let him go. Yeah, she was She was right there solving these murders in that goddamn house. Her sister, whose, husband, or whose boyfriend she married, yeah. was killed by this guy. Mm-hmm. And so she sets out to drive Norman crazy again. And you find out that Mary is actually her daughter. You think Norman would have picked up on it since wasn't Mary Samuels the alias that Marion Crane used when she signed in at the Bates Motel. Oh my God, I forgot. Yeah. So Mary is actually Lila's daughter. They've been in cahoots to drive him crazy again. Um, But then Mary has a change of heart. Is it because Norman tells her that she smells like grilled cheese? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Could be. I'm sorry. (laughs) Their relationship is so fucking weird in this movie. It is. This movie is so weird. And that's part of why I love it. And it's so weird for many, many reasons. But the biggest reason is that their relationship in this movie, I don't know what they're trying to do with it. And it is so weird. And it's part of why I like the movie. But that grilled cheese just sums it all up. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you think it's almost going to head in a romance direction, but it doesn't. Yeah. They really are just friends. And I do think some of the weirdness of it comes from behind-the-scenes tension, which we will get to. Yes. Stacey Ponder put on her press hat again, and we are going to clear up the air. Oh. 
on the bullshit that has surrounded this movie since 1983. Oh, my God. So that will be later on in the program. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, They're companions. They never, there's nothing romantic. It's almost like she ends up being a mother figure to him in a good way. Yeah, and and it's just weird because he, well, yeah, and then you also bring in the off-screen thing where, like, I just can't help but see Anthony Perkins as gay. Right. But then there's supposed to be, maybe there's a romantic thing. Like, there's that, there's that part where, you know, Mary's talking, Norman finds out that she's Mary Loomis. And, and she's like, well, I, I was, we were, you know, my mom came up with this plot and I was, I, I stopped though because uh, blah, blah, blah and whatever. And he goes, is that the only reason? And she says, what do you mean? And he says, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, we're supposed to, that we're supposed to take that as like, maybe there's an underlying attraction. Right. But that's never played between them. Not at all. It just, it just comes across as like, it's. It's almost like it's like it's like Andy and um and and Christina Lee's like in just Kyle, two. yeah. Yeah, Andy yeah. and Kyle like they have like a weird kind of brother sister thing and he's like he's what he's like 50 in this movie. Yeah. And she's like not even 20 or her character is. Right. And it just feels we- it's a weird dynamic. Mhm. Yeah. It's very strange. It feels like it's on a romance path, but then it doesn't go there, and I'm I'm glad. I'm absolutely glad it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, so a lot of people end up dead in this movie, <sighs> including one Dennis Franz. Talk about this cast. <laughs> He's such a great scumbag. He's so gross. He's so sleazy in this. Um. Kind of portraying the type of characters he portrayed in, in Brian De Palma films, like in mm-hmm. um, Blowout. He's very much that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And Brian De Palma was apparently originally supposed to direct this. Really? Well, yeah. heir apparent to Hitchcock, especially in this era. Yeah. Hmm. And so I, Tom Holland, I think, knew Dennis Franz from all the De Palma movies and brought him over. Hmm. And he's just a great, like, hey, what are you doing, psycho? Hey, you're gonna kill me, psycho! <laughs> and then he ends up getting stabbed in the face. Yeah, he does. Um, but he's fantastic. You have Robert Loggia as the, mm-hmm. like playing against type as the doctor, and I get so excited when I remember Robert Loggia is in this. I love Robert Loggia. I had just watched him in uh, this weird... I wrote about it on my letterboxed. Oh, no. Well, now I've realized Letterbox is a place where I can talk about movies that are completely inappropriate for Final Girl. Oh, so it gives us more content from you. Yeah, well, Okay, I'm in. Don't, I'm get, in. don't get too excited. But uh, I had just watched him the night before, actually, in a weird fucking movie with Alan Alda. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I blacked out. Um, but I love Robert Loggia. I love, now this, you might say, really? Do you, Stacey? I love, like, 70s tough guys. Really? Give me a Christopher George. 70s and 80s. Give me a Christopher George. Give me a Charles Bronson. That's fine. Oh, yeah, give, yeah, yeah. Give me a Robert Loggia. Yeah. Give me I a Telly Savalas in Terror Train. Not Terror Train. Oh, <laughs> my God. Horror Express. <laughs> I wish oh, Telly Savalas was in Terror Train also. But... That'd be amazing. I need to see Horror Express still. Horror Express is fucking fantastic. I love Horror that movie so fucked much. fucked up. 
I love a macho 70s man. I appreciate this about you. Marjo yeah. Gortner isn't a macho 70s guy, right? Because he was like a hippie. Yeah. Even though he plays like he wants to be a macho guy in the earthquake. Yeah. I'd call him, I don't even know if adjacent is correct, but I just, sometimes I just have strange tastes. Sam, I mean, Sam Elliott, obviously. Another your, top top ten babe of fame. Your flavors of 70s men on, <laughs> on your, in your peachy. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah, this cast. Uh, Robert Loggia also ends up dead when Meg Tilly accidentally stabs him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of death by different people for different reasons and different motives. And you say to yourself, what is happening here? Yeah. And Norman just spends the whole movie talking to himself on the telephone. On top right. of everything else. Mm-hmm. As mother keeps calling. Mother keeps calling. Mother's leaving him notes everywhere. <laughs> notes that say, don't let that little whore in my house again. Love, yeah. mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite part was a flashback. Like, we flashback to when Norman poisoned Norma Bates and killed her. And young Norman was played by Oz Perkins. Did you see that in the credits? Oh, that was Oz? Yeah. Um, but during the flashback, it's all like off scene. You know, he made the tea for her and put the poison in it. <laughs> and then she, in that classic Mrs. Bates voice, you know, she drinks the tea and then she says, ah, I'm going to get you for this, Norman. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> Like, that's what you say when somebody, like, puts your hand in water while you sleep and you pee your pants, you know? I'm gonna get you Yeah, it's, like, not what you say when they've poisoned you and you are presently dying from the poison. You are actively at the end of your life. I'm gonna get you! Ooh, Norman! I'm gonna get you for this! So good. I just love... I love the trope of the disembodied voice of evil grandma or mom or auntie. Yeah. (laughs) Just evil older woman voice that happens in all these movies. I mean, The Exorcist did it. Uh, Psycho and this, Psycho 2. Even um, Ellen Burstyn in Red Dragon (laughs) was Francis Dollar Hyde's (laughs) disembodied voice of his evil grandma. I just love these evil disembodied women voices. And they're always like, so angry. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, honestly, I think Mrs. Bates still has not worked through her internalized misogyny. No. She's like, that one's a slut! That one's a whore! <laughs> like, come on! Yeah, what? I want to I root for you, Mrs. Bates. Please. The lateral misogyny is really keeping me from getting you out of that wine cellar. Fruit <laughs> cellar. Whatever you're in. Exactly. So... Yeah. Uh, Vera Miles dies. She gets stabbed in the fucking mouth. That's the one that gets me every time. For some reason, I thought it was scissors, but it's, it's, I think I conflated Halloween 5 with the scissors in the throat with this. Or the dead zone when the cop commits suicide by, remember that? I haven't seen the dead zone. Someone sets up a pair of scissors, (gasps) so they're open and facing them, and then he puts his hands behind his head and... Opens his mouth and stabs himself in the mouth of the scissors. Oh! Cronenberg, baby. See, it's, I guess, and it doesn't have to just be scissors, but mouth adjacent, mouth impaling, stabbing adjacent that. Let me tell you, Anthony, no offense, but someone doesn't sound like glory hole material. 
<laughs> Did you just revoke my <laughs> glory? <laughs> <part>? <laughs> Continue that delightful thread for last week. <laughs> Just saying. I cast no aspersions. Just thought I'd make a note. Well, now that Stacy's refunded and canceled my trip to Fire <laughs> Island, I guess. Um... Sorry, Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> yeah, I won't be at the boat cruise again next year. <laughs> you were saying <laughs> that effect oh it's when it's go the knife the knife the knife she gets stabbed she's so Vera, Vera Miles Lila Crane Loomis she just keeps running into the house there's a little rock in the basement where she keeps her outfit <laughs> this is main outfit <laughs> And every time something needs to happen or she wants to drive Norman a little more crazy, she runs into the basement and puts on her outfit. So she runs and breaks in the house, puts on her outfit. And then, and then you know, we're, we keep hearing about Norman's real mother. And you don't know if it's Norman. You don't know who it is. But then we we assumed, we assume that Norman's real mother has appeared in front of her. And she goes and stabs Vera Miles right through the mouth, down oh. into her throat. And you see the effect of this thing going through her mouth through her the knife going through her lip Uh, and through her teeth and then out the back of her oh it's just disgusting it's really hardcore and you go oh yeah and the same when it happens to poor dr robert later too Mm -hmm. only his is an even different kind of uh, it's just also gross (laughs) it's really yeah i love that scene that's just classic yeah yeah, the the slasher movie moments in this are some of the most wicked. Yeah, and, of the and, era, and that's a ballsy move because Vera Miles. Not only does she add, I think she adds a lot of uh, prestige to this film and legitimacy. Sure, right? a lot of old Hollywood class, baby. Old Hollywood and the survivor and heroine of the first film. Yes, and then much like you know, that's what's fun about Psycho. Nobody's safe after the shocking murder of Janet Lee in the first film. And then they come and they kill her sister in the second one. It's it's bold to make the surviving grieving sister to make her the villain for yeah. much of this film, and then to kill her off. Yeah, and then to, to to say, oh, guess what? She's not the villain that you think she is. Right. And then we're gonna kill her. And then there's yeah. another villain that you still don't know who it is. Yeah. Did you think it could get more wild? Because <laughs> <laughs> it does. Oh it's very it's very exciting as a viewer when they take all of like this you know when they break past the parameters of like movie safety. Yes. Like that. It's always exciting. Yes. And they do it in this film and it turns out that Norman is telling the truth. There is a real Mrs. Bates who is alive. Mhm. And we meet her in the final moments of the film. Well, we meet her early on, but we find out who she is. She's perfect. <laughs> Mrs. Spool. <laughs> Mrs. Spool, the kindly Christian woman from the diner. Who helped Norman get the job. She told the cook to hire him. Turns out that she's his real mother. Uh, Norma just raised him. She flipped her wig and was in, a si- in an asylum the entire time, like for Norman's whole life. Got out 
right around the time he went in. Mm-hmm. They just missed each other. Uh, and so she's been killing everybody this whole time because clearly she was not restored to sanity. <laughs> yeah, this is really this is an indictment of the mental health system more than <laughs> <Right>. anything else. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she's been killing everybody, but then Norman kills her in an incredibly shocking moment of yeah. the film. He poisons her, as he did Norma Bates, and then he bonks her on the head with a shovel. He bonks her so hard that the chair breaks. The chair explodes underneath yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wicked. It's wicked. It's sad. It's weirdly mm-hmm. sad. Like, it's it's because at that point in the movie, you know, Ev- Meg Tilly has then... <laughs> so much happens in this movie, and it's insane. As good as it is, it also requires several just leaps of imagination where you just say, I'm going with it. Mm. <laughs> and it, it, it so much happens that this movie is just fucking bonkers. But even before this moment with the real mother, uh, Dr. Robert, he gets killed. Um, he, he gets stabbed by Meg Tilly, who has put on... She has now followed in her mother's footsteps and she has run to the rock and put <laughs> yeah. on, grabbed the outfit and put on mother outfit. And she, much like, she is an heir apparent, even though it's only two years later, but she is an heir to Ginny Fields. Yes, she is. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone else elsewhere in between. And she you is also a psych student who uses the powers of psychology. Only this time it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And she's standing in front of Norman saying, Norman, get off the phone. Because Norman's talking to real mother. Nobody's on the line. Norman says he's talking to real mother. And she's saying, get off the damn phone. And then he does it. And he starts to come after her. And she's freaking out. She runs upstairs. The doctor comes out. She stabs him. He falls off the staircase and then hits the railing with the knife in his gut. It's disgusting. <laughs> yeah. She ends up having the weirdest like norman i care about you as she stabs him repeatedly <laughs> yeah moment chased into the cellar where she is ultimately going to stab norman in defense and then she gets shot to death by the police and takes the whole fall for everything mm-hmm. and it's sad because you love meg tilly at this point yeah i mean you love meg tilly from I the love her all you you love meg tilly since you know before one dark night or before that <laughs> yeah yeah and then and then you see, and then it, the movie has this really quiet sort of epilogue where you just see this woman walking up to the house, knocking on the door, and she just sits down and she tells Norman everything that's up and how much she loves him and she misses him. Yep. And then he just bashes her head with a shovel. <laughs> it's yeah. fucked up, man. It's really fucked up. And you feel bad. I feel, I, it's weird because I actually do feel bad for both of them. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I guess I appreciate that it seems like Norman is Norman is back because you know he carries dead Mrs. Spool up the stairs to her bedroom where now he's going to have the new mother or return a mother's return. He sets her down and lays her in the bed and everything. And so it's just like okay, well Norman is just back to being his old wacky self again. But also you kind of feel like he might have killed her in retribution for everything. And for mm-hmm. what happened to Mary and all that. But also there is a part of him that is now just completely regressed. and Yeah. Which is too bad. Um, he was doing pretty well. And it's just strange that everybody in the movie wants him to be insane. Yeah. Like for their own 
personal reasons, you know, like Lila wants him to be insane again because he'll get put away. But and, but it, that to me kind of reflects horror movie audiences who root for the villains. Oh. It's like as this is all happening also, like as audience members, we kind of want it to be Norman in the dress again. Yeah. Killing people. Yeah. You know, so... It's always an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. I hadn't thought of it like that. I appreciate yeah. that. That's what's so weird about his that relationship with Meg Tilly, too, is, like, you really get to like them as just this weirdo twosome, this weird duo. Yeah. This weird kind of Andy Kyle, only this time it's the murderer from the original Psycho and Meg Tilly, <laughs> just, like, hanging out trying to look out for each other. They become a weird kind of family. Mm-hmm. And then everything just goes so wrong because of... Small towns, small minds. Exactly. We do get the teens that break into the Bates house to have sex. And it just is another example of horny horror movie teenagers who will do it anywhere. On that crusty ass futon. (laughs) Oh my God, in the fruit cellar, on the dirt floor of the fruit cellar. And it's like these movies, it's always, the girl is always like... I don't know. Should we do it on the pile of syphilitic needles? <laughs> yeah, you and know? the sawtooth p- needle pit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Should we do it on the rusty nail bed? <laughs> and the guy's always like, come on, baby, it'll be great. Okay. <laughs> and then they get killed. Every time. It's like, ladies, please. You know, I know they're all horny. But come on, have, you know, have some self-respect. All of, and the dudes, too. Like, please, well, treat, treat your metaphor. lady a little better. It's a metaphor for heterosexuality. <laughs> I see. It's disgusting and innately wrong. <laughs> and yet, we have to watch these poor women continue to make these choices. She, that futon... That disgusting futon pad, that, he, that brown stained thing. I mean, I would draw the line at this is where Norman Bates kept his mother. <laughs> yeah. Which it seems like they would know that. But it's always like, I don't know, should we do it in this open grave? <laughs> like, listen, ladies, please. Let the heat flow through you. <laughs> Come over to the dyke side. <laughs> the dyke side. <laughs> do it. <laughs> We're not going to make you do it in an open grave. <laughs> Trust me. I rest my case, Your Honor. Uh, oh, well. Lesbian court. <laughs> <laughs> the Lizzie's court. I don't know. I just want horror movie uh, horny teens to have some self-respect. Yes. Is this too much to ask? Yes, it hasn't been that way for the past 60 years. But it's not too late. So this is your message to the youth of America. Yes. (laughs) You have a right to do it in a safe, sanitary place. Yes. Absolutely. Well, you know, maybe maybe this is a statement on the closing of businesses because Dennis Franz was running that hotel and it was an adult hotel where people would check in and have a good time for an hour or two and then check out, right? Mm, but mm-hmm. then Norman fired him. So those kids structurally 
did not have a choice, a place to go, so they had to go to the fruit cellar. With they had no other options. They had no other options. I'm so confused. The hospital was maintaining the hotel and the house and renting them out. Like the hospital hired Dennis Franz to run the hotel. Why? Because Anthony. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> Like, I don't, it never was a question for me before, but on this watch, I was like, wait, why did, but then why does Norman also have the diner job if they still have the hotel? Is the hospital so concerned that he doesn't lose his well-being in the time he's committed (laughs) so they run it for him, the motel? Obviously. And they have tenants in the how, in the murder house? Like, what is, okay, okay, you've convinced me. (laughs) <laughs> I get it now. Is that good enough for you, Neil deGrasse Tyson? <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's the magic of this movie is I can have all those questions, but then you throw a new mother at me and I say, oh, hold on. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then you say, but wait, have you seen Meg Tilly's little spy gun? Oh, God, she's so perfect. Doesn't she this. look great with that little spy gun? Oh, my God. I just, I'm like, where's that movie? <laughs> Why is this not the Bourne Identity? Oh, yes! Starring 1983 Meg Tilly. Oh, my dream. <laughs> Meg Tilly's perfect in this film. Yeah, she is. I love her. Which is why I have some injustices to set straight. Justice for Tilly? Justice for Meg Tilly, thank you. Please tell me. Because we've touched on this in a previous episode, I feel. Was that an episode? Was that a hallucination? Was that just us talking? It might have been just us talking. Okay. Um, There is a narrative around this film, right? I think people know that it was a contentious production between Anthony Perkins and Meg Tilly, right? However, the narrative of this, which is available on plenty of websites, it's on uh, TV Tropes. It's on this other website that I found. It is on my beloved Rumorg. Which someone wrote a little retrospective of this film on the Rumorg website in 2018. So as of 2018, this is still the narrative of this film. The normative narrative, you're saying. The normative narrative of what happened on this film. I will read to you from the Rumorg website. As a kid, actress Meg Tilly was forbidden to watch TV. The result, Tilly had never seen the original Psycho. On the set of Psycho 2, Tilly was at a loss at the amount of press and attention that Anthony Perkins was receiving for the role of Norman Bates. Unfortunately, Tilly made the mistake of voicing this concern within earshot of Tony. Mr. Perkins was so perturbed that he refused to talk to Tilly anymore during the remainder of the filming. Perkins went even further by requesting that Tilly be fired, but Meg had already shot over half of her scenes. They had wanted Jamie Lee Curtis for this role as a nod to Janet Lee's casting, but she she had already moved out of horror and was doing like trading places and stuff like that. So oh. she said, no, thank you. Continuing from the room org, Meg Tilly won the role and drove Anthony Perkins berserk. Ooh. This is the narrative what? around this film is okay. that sh- she was such a diva. Like it's fact that he stopped talking to her. On the film. It's a fact that he wanted her fired from this film. Those are actual facts. But the reason why this happened, 
the narrative is Meg Tilly was a diva who didn't understand why Anthony Perkins was getting all of the attention because she had never seen Psycho and she wanted to know why she wasn't getting the attention. Which also implies that she didn't know that there was even a zeitgeist around Psycho or that Anthony Perkins' take in the film Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock was as gigantic as everyone knows it was and would have immediately known within 20 years of this film. Also that she drove him berserk, sorry. <laughs> like, her diva her diva behavior drove him berserk. She wanted that attention. Why was he getting the attention? And also the normative story is that he overheard her asking why she wasn't getting noticed and then right. that was why it was fine for him to go crazy at her. Okay, continue, continue, continue. Yes. So in addition to other researching of this that I did. I rewatched parts of The Psycho Legacy, the documentary that came out about the Psycho franchise, mm-hmm. um, which is a 2010 film by Rob Galuzzo. Uh, and feels like a 2010 documentary by Rob Galuzzo <laughs> in that, uh, you know, are there any female talking heads beyond women who were actually in the films? No, it's no. all men. Yeah. No, we need to hear how Dave Parker feels about Psycho. We need to hear how Adam Green feels about Psycho. Ryan Turek, oh. Rolf Konevsky, someone else from Icons of Fright. It's like, it's just like... Masters of epi- Horror. The epitome of fucking bro horror era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that said, it's a decent documentary for all these things. There are a lot of interviews with people from the film. So it's definitely worth seeking out if you want to know more about Psycho. But it is... A 2010 documentary by Rob Galuzzo. So, one of the people he spoke to was Kurt Paul, who was the stunt double who was actually the on-screen Mrs. Bates in 2 and 3. Like, in Shadow. He's the one who, like, stabbed people. Oh, I was wondering who was doing that. (laughs) That was him. First of all, he didn't want to put on the dress because he had just done a billboard ad for, like, Marlboro or something. And so he didn't want to, like, people to think he was too faggy by putting on the dress. But Anthony Perkins talked him into it. So this is where this quote is coming from about Meg Tilly's involvement in Psycho 2. She was green as an actress and he was seasoned. Maybe she felt like she should push it with him. I don't know. They choose to include this in the documentary, right? Okay. Now, here's what Meg Tilly has to say about this. She doesn't really talk about this film. She did not go to the premiere of this film. Uh, Because she had such a bad experience on this film. Meg Tilly, talking about Anthony Perkins. He's a beautiful actor. I remember seeing the first Psycho when I was offered the part, and I thought, he's brilliant. What happened was, when they had the dailies, everybody came back and they were all saying how good I was and how Tony was a little stiff. And of course, he hadn't worked in a long time. But I think he decided he needed to do something, and he was mean. But oh well. I almost stopped acting after Psycho 2. It wasn't just Anthony, it was also the director. It was complicated, but it really hurt my feelings because they were really mean. I've rarely had that kind of experience. It was probably one of my worst. Oh, Meg. So now, if you say to yourself, maybe that's just the way Meg Tilly saw it. Which, also, I don't... That comes from Meg's YouTube series, Cozy Tea Time. (laughs) So if you want to believe that a woman who would have a YouTube series called Cozy Tea Time is a raging fucking diva who yeah. would demand attention on a movie set, okay. But if you want to say that's just Meg Tilly's, this is what Tom Holland, 
the writer of this film, Psycho 2. Who also appeared as a deputy. Yes, he did. And it would go on to do Fright Night and Child's Play and all of this. This is what he had to say in the documentary. Why Tony turned against her about halfway through the shoot. I thought she was giving him a run for it as an actor, which I thought was great for the show. He tried to get her fired. My feeling was she was better than he expected. He turned against her and all of a sudden really disliked her. But she stayed very calm. I felt bad for her, but she wasn't intimidated. Oh, man. And so can we, like, get rid of the narrative that she was jealous of the attention he got? And he overheard that and then tried to get her fired. Like, can we eliminate that from the public discourse around this film? Stacey, she's a girl. I think if there's anything we've learned in the last couple of years, some of us knew this the whole time, but some people had to learn this, is that the narrative of the crazy actress, the diva actress, the trouble actress, is so rarely what matches reality. Oh, absolutely. And here's a perfect example of it, right? Absolutely. Do you know how much of history is built on the backs of women that were cast aside as insane? Mm-hmm. And then all their work gets taken. Like, all the major authors of the 20th century, all of their work came from their wives, who they then mm-hmm. had committed or divorced or killed. And then mm-hmm. they never got credit for their work. If you watch the rest of the Psycho Legacy documentary, the parts about Psycho 3 and Psycho 4, people on Psycho 3, where Anthony Perkins was the director and ran the show, everybody on Psycho 3 is like, he was great. It was one of the best experiences of my life. He was amazing. You watch Mick Garris, who directed Psycho 4, where Anthony Perkins had very little power. Mick Garris says he was a fucking nightmare, basically, and it was one of the worst actor experiences I've ever had. Really? So, is it maybe that people thought Meg Tilly did a good job? Is it maybe that Meg Tilly's a really terrific actor who would go on in, what, two years after this, be win a Golden Globe and be nominated for an Oscar for Agnes of God? Mm-hmm. Maybe Meg Tilly's a really good actor. This was one of her very first films. She this came out right around you know one dark night. She was yeah. gr- she was green. She was a newbie, and so if they're all going to be praising her instead of the venerable star of the original film and the person this is built around, did he maybe have a hissy fit? It, and that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. She's this is her movie. Like, she is incredible in this film, and she's what you take away from it. She's who the she's who you sympathize with. She's who you place yourself into as, as, a, as a viewer. You, you feel with her. Because Norman's so fucking weird. And, like, part of, that's part of the pain of the movie is seeing how weird he is and that he's just, he's trying, but he's weird. So you, you empathize with this teenage girl that's gotten herself into a fucked up situation who's trying to make the best of it and be a helpful, good person, as good as she can be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It makes perfect sense that he would go, I'm sorry, but that this older seasoned gay actor who struggled in his career after Psycho, Mm -hmm. that this represents not only his reputation, but also the reputation of the franchise of, of like of a, of a continued franchise after this, because this is the first sequel in 20 years. Um, and that this is his return to the genre and to acting, really, and to the spotlight, mm-hmm. and to a starring role, that he would flip out and have a Margot Channing meltdown around this. Yeah. 
And she's it, right. Like, it was the first thing he had done in several years. There was a lot riding on this for him. And she has said, like, it was horrible at the time. But now I've come to really empathize with him that, like, he had a family to feed. And he was worried about it. And it's like, you're too nice, Meg Tilly. Yeah. But, you know, it's... Well, it, that's the Canadian in her. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, I'm just saying, can all of these websites please fix <laughs> fix what they've put out in the world? Yeah, catch up. And you said that little expose you read, that was from 2018? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that documentary is 2010. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, just figure it out and correct yourself. I mean, people are still beginning to, to say, oh, did you know Shelley Duvall's actually good in The Shining? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, everyone, maybe 30 years from now, people will know. It takes a while. And I'm sure, I mean, where, this is the thing, you go to write this article about psycho 2 you're going to look up articles online and so if they all say meg tilly was a nightmare and anthony perkins stopped talking to her it's like the director and her co-star stopped talking to her and treated her like shit and they wanted to get her fired from this because she was doing a good job but it was too late that's wild like that's the fucked up story not she was a diva and he heard her being a diva and so therefore he wanted her fired that's wild Justice for Meg Tilly. God bless Meg Tilly. God bless Meg Tilly forever and ever. Hmm. I think that definitely comes through in the film. <laughs> right. Because there's just something that it's not even that it's like they get along and you're rooting for them, but also it feels hostile. I mean, it's kind of like it all that all feels very much illustrated in that scene where he's like she's like norman i'm trying to help you norman and he's like i'm going to help you and then she just keeps stabbing him and slashing him yeah and you're like i don't know who i'm supposed to root for in this moment yeah there's a weird tension between them and and it works because it's like she also there's an underlying fear of him as much as she wants to help him yeah you know yeah 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 yeah. it it helps the film for sure but I just hate that this was one of the worst experiences she's ever had. I know, and that she didn't go to the premiere. That this was a huge movie, and the, and then big for her too. That's the thing is that it's his return, but it's also it was also making her a star. Yeah, the next. I mean, right after this, she would be in the Big Chill, which really blew her up, and yeah. then you know Agnes of God and Valmont and like every great thing she went on to do, and then she was like, peace out. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah, and then yeah. she got settled down with some romance books and some cupcakes. <laughs> I love when she put on Mother's hair, and I was like, oh, that's just her today with her beautiful right. gay hair. <laughs> it's cozy tea time, bitch. She looks the same. <laughs> she just has right. great hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know that Jamie Lee was up for this. Yes. That makes too much sense, and part of me would love to see that alternate dimension. I wonder if people would have connected the dots and the secret of her being Lila's daughter. I wonder if that would have given it away. Quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it is really, it's, I mean, it is really a surprise that she's her daughter. Yeah. I mean, there's many surprises in this movie, but that's one, that's like the big twist, I think, besides the real mother. Yeah. But, oh, and speaking of, did you notice, Stacey, I had to do some deduction. Because when I was saying earlier, I forgot I, f- I forgot about Mrs. Spool on my rewatch of this. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I remembered her like halfway through. But there was a moment where I was like, wait a second. Because you, we keep getting these fake outs of is Norman creeping on poor Mary or is there somebody else in the house? 
Right. And I remembered little Miss Vera Miles running around and keep grabbing her outfit from under that rock. And so I was like, wait, so when Meg Tilly goes and has her shower scene, because this yeah. has to be, this couldn't be Psycho without a shower scene. Which also, yeah. I'm like, why does everyone in Psycho movies make the weirdest faces as they take showers? <laughs> <laughs> but Meg Tilly's getting in the shower, and then we see the famous, you know, the, the, the not a glory hole, but the peephole with the eye popping through, looking, watching. Yes. And and Meg Meg sees the eye, and she runs downstairs, and Norman is playing the piano. He's gone full... Um, <laughs> His full Keith Raniere doing Moonlight Sonata at his <laughs> piano. I thought the same thing. Full Keith Raniere. And then, and then, so we're to assume that either Norman booked it down to that piano. Right. Or I was like, wait, or Vera Miles, was her own mom was watching her? And then I remembered, wait, Mrs. Spool was, must have been the one watching her. Mm-hmm. Once I realized. But then I said, doth Mrs. Bates protest too much? And is, is, why else would, why would she be watching Mary take the shower unless Norman's mother is also a repressed lesbian? I see. And as we all know, repressed lesbians kill. That's what they do. (laughs) So. Huh. Anyway. Could be. I had to find a little more. She day. was looking at her, but she didn't like it. She didn't like it, or that she liked it too much, and then she wrote a note that said, "She must die. She's a slut. She's a slut." <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. I judge anyone who takes off their clothes to take a shower. I mean, of all places. Of all places to get nude in my house, yeah. you choose the shower. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great film! Wacky, wacky times. Yeah. Good it's movie. It's a great movie. Much better than it has. I say this every time I talk about it. So much better than it has any right to be. Mm hmm. Psycho 2, man. I'm glad we watched it because I love it. I love it. I love it. I love, I love this movie. It. it just gets crazier every time you watch it, too. It and, really does. And yet somehow it works. It should not work, but somehow it works. Well, with that said, Stacy. Hmm. Are you ready to place your head on the chopping block? I am ready. Oh. Consider my head placed. The chopping block, right? It's a thing. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe. Probably not. Uh, (laughs) Unless you've been listening, because we do this every week. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's our little question and answer game show. Someone asks questions. This could be someone's first chopping block. I should make it sound exciting, actually. <laughs> Someone asks uh, a question. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta die. Listen, okay? Someone chooses from three categories of questions. Usually that's one of us. <laughs> that's Usually someone. it's one of us. Yeah. Each category has five questions. Someone has ten seconds to answer the question. Uh, If they answer incorrectly or time runs out, our non-binary executioner, the head they, comes along and chops their head off. And then they are dead. However, you have one opportunity for a lifeline. That lifeline is Jamie Lee Curtis's wig from the 1981 film Halloween 2. You call out, I want the wig? (laughs) 
the wig appears on your head, it grants you 10 more seconds to answer that question. And then, uh, you know, it's the other person's turn. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat ad nauseum. I love it. I love this game. Um, I, I, I don't know why I'm even going to try again after last week because I don't feel like I could ever uh, have a moment to surpass after last week. That was, that's going to be the number one installment in the Chopping Block Hall of Infamy. Uh, it was a very exciting Chopping Block last week for Anthony. Not for me, I died pretty quickly. But Anthony, wowzy, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, so everyone that always complains about me getting everything wrong all the time, there you go. That was the one time that I'll make you That wasn't, you've, you've won before. I know. That was the most, that was the most exciting. That time I wasn't just a winner, I was a survivor, I was a fighter and a survivor. It's true. This is true. But alas, we'll so. see what happens this time. You went first, I mean, um, no. <laughs> first last time lies so now you go first this time oh answering questions i answer first you answer first that's your big prize for your incredible performance last week my prize is being killed immediately that's right but also a prize you have two new categories (gasps) to choose from oh my god i'm so excited so there you go um first category is old however And that category is, who's that final girl? Where I name the movie, you name the final girl. Oh, okay. New category number one. Little head, big head swimming in the water. (laughs) In which I name a movie, you tell me if the decapitated head ended up in a toilet or in a fish tank. Oh, cool! (laughs) That's right. And I have to say, anytime this happens in a film where someone's head ends up in a toilet, it does fill me with a kind of such deep sadness <laughs> over the folly of human existence. You know, you're doing the best you can in life, hopefully. You've got goals. Maybe you're in love. You're someone's child. Maybe you're a parent, you know. And then you end up with your head in a toilet. <laughs> That's the abyss staring back at me, my That friend. is the abyss, yeah. Yeah. All right, so, and your third category, which is also a new category, is mother, oh God, mother, blood, blood. Oh! In which case I uh, name the film and you tell me the name of the evil mother. Oh, oh, the name? Mm-hmm. Oh. But think of, you know, the mothers that you know from films. You probably know their names. Mrs. Loomis. Did I get it right? You win again. <laughs> so you have, who's that final girl? Little head, big head swimming in the water. <laughs> You're welcome, PJ Harvey. And mother, oh God, mother, blood, blood. Oh, okay. I'm. I have to go with little head, big head swimming <laughs> in the water. <laughs> okay. I you. name a movie. You tell me if a decapitated head ended up in a toilet or in a fish tank. Okay. 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 
So you got a 50-50 chance. This happens that often? I know toilets, but fish tanks? Sure does. Okay, okay. Got a 50-50 shot. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Head number one. Night school. Oh, fuck. Fish tank. Nope. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that is honestly. <laughs> Honestly, the perfect result after your performance last week. That was nine seconds. <laughs> That's the fun of the chopping block. I'm dead. You're dead. Well. <laughs> Guys, I can redeem myself. Right. Well, better sorry luck for your, next year. Sorry for the work you put in for those <laughs> questions. You know, that's okay. Well, Stacy, lo, though I am dead and speaking to you through the 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 bong like bubbles of this toilet, <laughs> have I got a deal for you? Because you've got what three new categories? <gasps> oh my goodness, how exciting! Yes, and to make up for all the um. The pain that I have just caused you. You have three new categories to choose from. Ooh. Um, and they are... Hey, it's great to grieve. Named after um, the, the the self-help author's book from Absolutely Fabulous. Um, hey, it's great to grieve. These are horror <laughs> films about grief. You have oh, to just boy. name the film from the description. Yeah, it's a fun how, category. How fun. Yeah. Then there's... They couldn't all be Psycho 2... And this is about uh, just bad sequels. I describe the film. You tell me what the sequel is. Okay. And then we have Cajun Blackened Queens. Your oh, yeah. In which you name the charred, crispy queen as described by her accoutrements. And this is inspired by the fact that we have been talking about queens, obviously, all the time. And I realized that so many of the women that we love in horror films are always set on fire for some reason. That's right. So, your categories are, hey, it's great to grieve. They couldn't all be Psycho 2. Or, Cajun Blackened Queens. go with they couldn't all be psycho too oh all right okay so for this i will just describe the film and you just tell me what the sequel is oh no these are all unnecessary sequels okay you ready oh, no yeah these are super easy you're gonna get all of them it's so easy don't say they're so that. easy no, you're okay. gonna get them all all right okay question one despite its uncharted location this sequel introduces a handy elevator that leads right to its subterranean setting. Oh, uh, The Descent 2. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, remember that? <laughs> like, nobody's ever found this cave system except the people that put in this elevator. All right, question two. Oh, boy. Move over, cornmeal feet. 
Meet Haunted Pool Vacuum. Oh, um, uh, uh, Paranormal Activity, uh, too. Ding, 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 ding. Phew, 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 phew. I, I love thought maybe it was going to be. vacuum. Yeah. All right. Question three. Speaking of pools, everyone knows the best way to stop a ghost is to hook yourself up to a machine that will expel the entity's hatred into a swimming pool. Wait, what? Right. We just watched this. Oh, no. My brain shut off. Oh, no. No, this isn't happening. We did this. Uh, I want the wig. Um, oh, um, no. I can't remember. No. What did we watch? It was a three. It was a three. It was a three inning. Um, oh, um, oh, no. I can't remember. It was the ring. It was a ring. It was a ring, too. It was Ring 2, the sequel to the original Japanese Ring. No. No. I'm sorry. I, when you said pool. I thought it was so specific. It was, but for some reason, as soon as you said pool, my brain was like, it's It Follows. And I'm like, bitch, it is not It Follows. That is not a sequel. My brain was like, it's It Follows. And I was like, no, it's not It Follows. We've just watched something. And they were like, remember the pool part in It Follows? And I was like, shut the fuck up. That's what people yell at us in messages at me don't understand is when this happens and you're in that state your brain tells you one thing and you are fighting because you're trying it's it's like it's whole it's like you're trying to get into the club and the bouncer is holding you back and you're like it's the entrance is right there mm-hmm. and you just can't please my friend is inside i just have to give her her birth control <laughs> please no it's it follows. She's right there. I can see her. <laughs> You're not on follows? the list, but it follows is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew we talked about it. And then I said three inning because those are all sequels. And that was wrong. That was my desperate attempt at a life preserver. What an embarrassing display. <laughs> is it worse than fish tank? <laughs> We are both pathetic this How time. do we know she is a fish <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Stupid brain. <laughs> See, this one, I almost went a different way, not focusing as much on the pool, but as on hooking yourself up to a machine to do an exorcism, and which then would have been an exorcist too, maybe. Right. So there were multiple ways to present this question um, in evil forms. I think, you know what, that's me just blocking out all the ringers. They're bad, man. They're bad. They're bad. I blocked them out. Blocked them out. They're so bad. And as someone that for some reason just watched Sadako 2019 in which Hideo Nakata returns to the franchise, all I can say is they're they're all so bad. (laughs) And why are these movies so acclaimed? And why do I keep watching them? (laughs) I love Sadako. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Pathetic. I think this is our best showing yet. (laughs) Yeah, this is... 
Oh, now our heads are in toilets. <laughs> Someone's just shutting the lid. Just flush it. Right. <laughs> Shut the lid and flush it. Let's hope our heads don't actually end up in toilets when they round us up. Oh, God! Uh, well, <laughs> on that, that note, on that note, whatever, who cares? Everybody's shut this off. They're like, we're done. That was disgusting display. <laughs> of incompetence. Of incompetence. They don't know anything. <laughs> we thought the government was bad enough. Look at these two idiots. Yeah, so... I would tell you to go to GaylordsOfDarkness.com where you can find links to everything. But no one's going to listen anymore. This is probably our last show. And I don't blame them. How, what right do we have to have a podcast if I can't remember a movie that we watched like three weeks ago and you mean to say toilet but you say fish tank? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Disgusting. Goodbye. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, 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 ha.